only had 30 days left to live. Oh, Recorded live. Out, hey, I'm diagnosed, and I don't know what else, and I don't have that much more time left. i got to start looking at what's of value and what's not, right, and stop doing the things that aren't of value and start doing the things that are. And so we've been taking a look in this series of some of those things. Today, though, we want to talk about one that's difficult called learning humbly. And, and we're taking a look through some principles that Jesus taught, and sometimes people would wonder, when did Jesus ever learn anything, right? I mean, he's God. He doesn't learn. And it's not really about God learning something as much as it is he's demonstrating something to us. And so I'm going to give you a verse. You can write it down if you want to go back and look it up, just so you can see through the lens of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8 says this, Son though he was, it's talking about Jesus, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. But before he became that this eternal hope for all of us, he suffered to demonstrate that, that he learned obedience through suffering. How many people like that? That the lessons that God gives is often through a lot some things that we don't like. And Jesus demonstrated that so he can say, Hey, I've experienced the things that you have and so he can be very relatable to us and help us through that. But God has a plan. He has a process. He has a way that he wants to teach us. And for some of us, today might be that day where you go, you know what, my life has not made sense. A lot of things that are happening in my life don't make sense. Is anybody there? <laughs> in fact, it feels like this. It feels like you're going full blast, and then all of a sudden you hit, you hit one of these. Anybody had that happen? Anybody feel that way? <laughs> And we laugh, but some of us are kind of crying on the inside, right? Because you're like, that is me, right? I mean, I feel that. I feel your pain because that's exactly what happened to me. I had dreams, and then this happened. I had stuff, and then the economy happened. I had this, and then the government, okay, we won't go there. But you get the idea that, you know, life didn't turn out like we thought it would, and it's as if we just smacked into a wall. And, and is there anybody saying, where is God in this? Have you ever thought that? What, what is God doing? What is his plan? And today, I don't want to explain away your suffering, so, so please don't hear what I'm not saying first, first off. To those that are suffering, you might want to kill me. But, but here's what I know about that. For some of you, today might be the greatest aha moment in your life. As you see a process that God uses, not just for you, but it's God's process. If you want to be the person God wants you to be, you may be right where you, he wants you, and you don't even know it. He may have you in circumstances that you didn't even realize that he put you there. You might be mad that he put you there. I get that. But when you see what he wants to do with it, it may change everything in your whole life. So maybe that's worth some of our time. I'm going to talk about one of the characters in the Bible I love the most. I've talked about him before because I love him the most. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he's an amazing person. I probably relate to him personality-wise more than anyone else in the Bible and so we're going to talk about that. But what happened in his life was this. It started off really great. He had a great moment in his life, and then he crashed. And he didn't quite know what to do with it. He spent a lot of time trying to figure out. Maybe that's where you are. I don't know. Where it's like, I had these great things that happened, and then it's not. And that's what happened to him. So today we want to learn some lessons. If that's not you, you go, I've never had a crash in my life. Um, for those, those people that have had crashes, look at that person next to you and say, you're going to need this one decade. <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that true? <laughs> Anybody over 40, look at the person next to you younger and say, you're going to need this lesson, trust me, it's coming for you, and this is going to happen to you. Okay, so you get the idea. All right, it is. It's going to happen to you. It will happen to you one day. It will happen to you one day. Okay, so we're going to take a look. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. This is where the story starts. 
Jesus is starting his ministry on earth, and as he does, he's kind of coming out of nowhere, right? And in that day, if, if you were a teacher, a rabbi, or in his case, Messiah, you would go and you'd call your inner circle around you. And so he is doing that at this point, and it, and it wasn't unusual in that day. That's what I want you to see, because a lot of times people are like, whoa, that's weird. People just left everything and went and followed him. They, people did that kind of in their day, but they did that for great teachers. Um, they didn't really know him as well yet, but, but they got to know him. Verse 19, it says he came and he, and he talked to two people, and it said, he said, come follow me. Can you circle that word, follow me? Come follow me, Jesus said, and, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once, they left their nets and followed him. Those people were Peter and Andrew. Um, they were brothers, and I believe maybe Peter was first. I don't know. Is that right, Charles? You're, you're the expert. Peter was first. We're going to say that. Peter was first. <laughs> Peter was his first follower. Peter was the oldest. And he called Peter. He was a fisherman. Let me ask you a question. How many people would love to fish for a living? Now, like, that's your thing. Like, if you could fish all day, that would be your thing, right? How about today? Would you love to be out there today? With this <laughs> nasty incident, you crazy bird. <laughs> but some people would, right? I mean, that's your thing. He had a dream job. He's a fisherman. And Jesus came along and said, hey, come follow me. And he changed his life in that moment. It's like, hey, you're going to be my follower. Now, it comes out of the blue, okay? This kind of thing comes out of the blue. In fact, the first lesson, the first process in God's learning process and the way God teaches people, number one, the first thing that he does is this. He calls you. And I've seen this again and again in Scripture. It's as if Jesus is on the beach, out of the blue, he's walking by, and he kind of does one of these. Hey, you come follow me. Me? That's, then that's about what Peter was thinking. He's like, you don't know me, man. I'm I'm not the religious type, you know what I mean? I curse and I do all kinds of stuff. and I'm a little bit older, so I've done some things. And fishermen, you know I mean? We're kind of rough. We're rough, you know what I mean? If you watch Deadliest Catch, you'll see what I'm talking about. They're kind of rough. You know what I mean? That's, you mean me? Okay. And so he starts following him. It's awesome. It's an amazing moment. But that's, and by the way, this is a pattern. I want you to make sure you understand. This isn't just something that I'm looking at through the life of Peter. This is God's process for just about every person he calls. When you look at David, he's out there watching a sheep, and he's like, you're anointing me king? Yeah. Out of the blue. You know what I mean? Joseph. He calls him in a dream. Everybody on the planet is going to bow down to you. Me? And he doesn't really do well. With By the way, you're not there yet. <laughs> this isn't the end of the process. This is the beginning. And a lot of people are going to get mixed up here because you're going to see some incredible things happening in the life of Peter, and then something else is going to happen, and you're going to go, oh, I thought this was the process. It is. This is the first step in the process. Now, you might have been through some things. You may have had a bad life, and all of a sudden Jesus called you, and now your life is different, and now it's awesome, and it's exciting. It's all these things. Some of you guys have experienced this. Some of you haven't, but I hope you will. Don't want to take anything away from it. It's just like getting married. It's like we talked yesterday with a couple, and we talked about the honeymoon stage, and we said, hey, don't take anything away from that, right? But it doesn't stay there, does it, married people? There's other stages of marriage too, right? <laughs> you get where we're going with this. Hey, there's different stages in this too. We, but here's the thing I told him. I said, but don't take away from it. You want to remember that. Just because bad things happen later, don't forget that because it's still a good stage, okay? This was a great moment in the life of Peter, so don't take away from it, okay? And then Peter had an even bigger moment. What happened was is as he followed Jesus, his life got very great very fast because as Jesus did miracles, guess what happened? The crowds grew huge. And it said that 5,000, 10,000 people would come to see Jesus. Now, in ancient times, that would be like a stadium today of 100,000, okay? 
because that was ancient times. If you walk in FedEx Field, the greatest. Says <laughs> you know football, you know they're not the greatest today. Huh? That's bad. All right. But if you walk in FedEx Field, 90,000 people will be in there. That's what it's like. You walk in, and you're with him, and they know you. And you're Jesus' number one follower. He called me first. I'm the oldest. I'm next to him. You want to be next to me because I'm next to him. You get the picture? That's what it's like. Everywhere you go, being a, being a follower of Jesus was a good thing. Being a follower of Jesus made your life better than it's ever been. You're more popular than you've ever been. Everybody loves you. They're chanting Messiah when he walks around. They're seeing miracles. It's awesome. You love it. You're a people person. You and you like prestige, so you like it. I can relate to him. You like it. That's the call. Then, then he has this moment where Jesus asks him something. And after a period of time, after Jesus was Jesus was a lightning rod, some people hated him, some people loved him. And he asked, he said, Let me ask you a question, you guys. What do people say that I am? This just with this twelve. Who do people say that I am? And they came up with a whole list of crazy stuff. I mean, if you look at the list, it's crazy. It's in Matthew chapter 16. And, and he caught with this list, and it's like, uh, some people say you're Elijah. What? <laughs> some people say you're John the Baptist, come back reincarnated. Okay, that's weird. You know? and, 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 you know, other people say you're a prophet, you're a teacher, you're whatever. Maybe you might be Messiah. I don't know. People say all kinds of stuff about you. And then he said, who do you, in fact, Matthew 16, verse 15, says, but, but what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Peter immediately said this, verse 16. Simon Peter answered, You are Messiah, the Son of the living God. Without hesitation. This was a huge defining moment, not only in the life of Peter, but in the life of the church. But Jesus looked at that and he's like, First off, I can't believe you just said that. You've said so many dumb things. <laughs> It happens for me sometimes as a pastor, you know, and I see it. And maybe you've done something like this where you said something really incredible and you're like, somebody comes to you and goes, this God was talking directly to me. I've had people say that. And I'm like, me? You, you, you believe that? I mean, that, you've heard that. And maybe you've had that experience too in other ways where it's like you had a word and you said it to somebody and you're like, man, that was profound. I don't know where that came from, but that was amazing, right? And you had that moment and you're like, I, I don't know. I didn't really mean to say that, but it just kind of happened. In verse 17, here's what Jesus, Jesus replied to him, Blessed are you, this is why we know it's such a big deal, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. See, Jesus is explaining. When you have those moments, you're realizing, you're going, oh my goodness, God used me. Oh my goodness, I'm actually speaking as if God was speaking out of my mouth. Get it? That's what he's doing. He's going, that's me. I did that. And for a, pe- for a person like this that likes the recognition, you're kind of like, wow, I did it. And then it even gets better, see? He had this big moment in the verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. What? what? His name ain't Peter, it's Simon. Okay. He changed his name. He's like, I'm going to give you a new name. It is so good what you said. I want to change your name to what it means. It's the rock. This is the foundation. What you said is the foundation. And on this rock, See, Jesus is doing a wordplay. I'm going to call you rock, and on this rock, I will build my church in the gates of Hades, or in the King James it says, I like that, in the King, King James it says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against It means upon this confession, I will start my church. That is the vision statement of the church. On that statement, I will kick in the gates of hell. You know what I'm talking about, right? Satan's system in this world that people are locked behind. 
where people are separated from God. But not just that, but, but in your life, if you ever felt like that, it was like, I'm all alone, I'm all by myself, I don't have anything. And Jesus took that and he said, that's it. That's what it's all about. And you got it. And you said it first, and I'm quoting you. And now your name will be changed to Peter. That's a big moment, right? You're like, I've never said anything that significant. I mean, that's tweetable, right? I mean, it's like, whoa, man, you know, you said something awesome. He did. And I don't want to take anything away from that. Don't ever take away from what God did in your life just because of what happens next, okay? What happens next that gets our attention? Can I tell you, number one, God uses a call. God called him. Then God did some incredible things with him. And I had a feeling there's some people in this room that you've experienced God. Maybe you haven't. If you haven't, man, this is a great lesson for you. God's calling you today. Get some of this. Because wherever you're at, God will kick you in the gates of hell and come and get you. Isn't that awesome? Maybe you need to hear that. Some of you have experienced it. Though. Some of you have said it, though. Some of you have got to do some incredible things. And you thought that was the end, but it's not. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning of God's process. Number one, God will call you. Okay, let's see what happens next. We're going to skip down to verse 21. This is the same conversation, by the way. After they talked about that, Jesus thought, now would be a good time after I told you that, that upon this rock I'll, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Now let me explain a few things. In fact, that's what he says. From this time on, Jesus began to explain to the, his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, he, raised, he was raised to life. That's the gospel right there. See, now some of us have heard it, so we're not shocked by it. Here's the people that are shocked by it, people that aren't expecting it. Okay? Can I tell you that? When you're explaining something, and this is why I know communication is the hardest thing, because it, it, it's also the here. So, so the person who's communicating has a side, and the person that's hearing, this makes me feel a lot better, because sometimes I go, am I even is that me understanding what I'm saying here? But when Jesus, they misunderstand him, it helps me a little bit, but he's really good. And he said it very plain, right? Did everybody get to what he's saying here? They didn't get it. Let me tell you why. You're, you're positioned to see kind of what you're geared to see. Does that make sense? I used to be a flooring guy. So for a long time, when I walk into a room, and I still do, you know what the first thing is I look at in the room? You know, I'm measuring the floor. I'm looking at the tiles. I'm looking at the stuff. I'm seeing I'm seeing all the flaws. I'm looking at your baseboards, that kind of thing. Alvin, he's our executive pastor. He's a contractor, but now he does a lot of roofs. Cliff, you'll understand it. Cliff looks at the whole roofs. That's a whole different thing. But Alvin does a little lot of roofs, and he does steel trusses that are up. You know what he looks at? Steel. So if we walk in a room, and we say, what was the room like? I'm looking at the floor, right? Whatever the floor is like, that's a great room. If the ceiling's bad, then he's going, oh, the room's terrible. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. You're geared for what you want to see. That's what they were. You know what they were geared to see? Jesus isn't going to die. Jesus makes me popular. You know what Jesus is? He's the king. You know what Jesus is? He does miracles. You know what Jesus does? He does magic tricks. He makes my life better for knowing him. They weren't ready for what he was saying here. What is suffering? Dying. Uh, that's not in our plan here, Jesus. We want to march into Jerusalem and you sit on the throne and you throw out the Romans. That's not what they had, that's not what Jesus had in mind. So he explained it very well. They just didn't get it. And I know they didn't get it because of what happens next, but we'll keep going. Here's what happens next, verse 22. In that same conversation, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. 
if I could get you to underline two things. First one is this, Jesus explained. And then <laughs> and then his circle rebuke. Peter rebuked him. Now, can we just go ahead and say this? That's stupid, right? Do you know who Jesus is? He just said who he was. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was and is and is to come. He knows everything. And you just took aside God and rebuked him. (laughs) How dumb can you be, right? Jesus knows everything, and you rebuked him. Well, let's take the pressure off Peter just a little bit. And he goes on to say this, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. I want you to hear the heart of Peter, because Peter's all heart. He's letting his heart come out. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Doesn't even hesitate. He's not taking a poll. You know what Peter works off of? His heart. And he lets it come right out of his mouth. Jesus, I hear you talking about all this death. I don't understand it. You know what? You're my friend. Not only that, but you're like a little brother to me. Get a picture? Because, see, Peter was biologically older than Jesus. Now, Jesus always was. Don't hear what I'm not. Don't hear what I'm saying, Jesus. That he wasn't always. He was. He's God. He's always been. But in human form, he was younger than Jesus. And so Peter's as if he's taking Jesus aside and going, "Hey, look, I've listened to everything you had to say, and you're real good with words and all that. But I'm a little bit more street smart than you. I ain't never gonna let that happen." Get Peter's heart. You know how dumb that is. Let me tell you how dumb it is, because what Jesus says next, okay, ready? Verse 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me. You want to say or you want me to? Satan? Underline it. Wait, 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 excuse me? He just changed his name to Peter the Rock that he's going to build the church off of. I know he's going to burst some Catholic's paradigm a little bit about Peter. And now he called him Satan. Wait, wait, what? And I think it's Peter, he meant well, he just didn't see it right. And Jesus is trying to teach him something, but all he heard was this statement. You know how I know that? Because that's all I would have heard. I'm a very selective listener. Maybe you are, too. All I would have heard is, you just insulted me, Jesus. I don't understand why you're mad at me. I just said something good. I want to protect you. And Jesus goes on to explain something that he never gets this side of the process. He won't get it right now, as you might not be getting it right now either. You, you, are, you are a stumbling block to me. Woo! You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You see, your life is better because I'm here. And a piece of that is you love me and you give yourself up for me. I get it. But you have in mind human concerns. You don't want to see me do that. You don't want to talk about that. You're as, it's as if Satan is talking through you. Before God was talking to you, now Satan's talking through you, Peter. You don't get what this is all about. You're, you're, you're correcting God. Can I tell you something? Anybody doing that today? Let me tell you how you know. This is going to hurt. Anybody saying, I can't believe you let this happen, God? Got your attention yet? Because here's what happens in the process. Number one, God calls you. And a lot of people think the process ends there at home. Number two, you hit a wall. The number two part of God's process is the wall. And if you're not ready for it, which you're not going to be ready for it, that's why it's a wall. That's why you look like that guy. <laughs> And it starts right here. It's His wall started right here. And understand, it's a process. This wall is also a process. It's not like you just hit it. It's like you hit it, and then you're kind of there for a while. Like That's how it is in life. So don't just think of it like, hey, I hit a wall, and now I'm back up. That's not how it works. It's like you hit this wall, and it's like, whoo. Let me tell you where the process be- Let me tell you where the wall begins. In your thought process. Your thinking's wrong. You're not thinking like God. And the problem is, you're correcting God. God, this is how life should be. God... That wall shouldn't even be there. 
it hit Peter like a brick wall. When they first started, said that wall don't look very good. <laughs> like I could knock it down. A lot of people will try, and they get knocked out. That's just what happens. This wall of life it will just knock you out. And God has a plan. This might be the first time you've ever heard. God has a plan for that. That thing that's knocked you down, I don't want to say what it is because it might diminish it for you. Whatever that is that's knocked you down, God has a plan for that. Maybe you never heard that. See, so many people are saying, oh, I'm a Christian, I can just knock down every wall. I'm sorry, I've read the scripture many times, I don't see that as part of God's process. I see this. Every person God's ever used, they come against the wall. Moses spent 40 years on the backside of a desert. <laughs> Joseph spent 20 years in prison. The call, and then this process. David spent 20 years in, in absolute obscurity in the hills, hiding, working for the Philistines, the very people he killed. You get it? Let me tell you something. There is a wall that God uses to transform lives. And we're going to tell you what that wall is about. I'm not going to tell you why God allowed what he did for you, because it might be very painful. But let me tell you something. He uses these walls in your life. And if you don't get it, you'll never understand what God's trying to do. You'll miss the greatest process God will ever have in your life, and he did it for Peter, and he can do it for you. He can do it for Peter, he can do it for you. I think that's why he picked Peter. Okay. Peter thought it was because he's great, just like I did. Okay, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, you want to circle something? My disciple. You want to know what it means to be my disciple? Well, I thought we were your disciple. Now, I'm going to tell you what the fine print is now. See, I told you to come and follow me. Now I'm about to tell you what it's all about. You, you've been following me, and it made your life better. But now let me tell you what it's really about if you really want to be my disciple. So if you're a disciple of Christ in the room today, pay attention. This is for us. You must deny themselves and take up their cross. You want to circle it? And follow me. Circle, follow me. Follow me. Do you get that? Didn't we just say circle that before? When he first came, you know what he did? On the beach. Didn't say a word. Just come follow me. That's how Jesus works. Before you're ready, before you believe right, before you behave right, guess what Jesus is inviting you to do? Come follow me. And then after a period of time, you know what he says? Let me correct that thinking. See, you're not living right. Wait a minute, I'm your follower. Yeah, but you're not living right. Oh, that's condemning. No, it's not. He's not condemning you. He's saying, come follow me. You must deny yourself and come follow me. And that means for some of us, the cross. Whoa, 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 that's suffering. Suffering's bad. No, no, that's part of God's plan. The wall is in God's plan. And if you didn't realize that, you're going to be knocked out in this life, and you're not going to know why. <laughs> and you have no perspective, and you're angry with God, and you don't know why. Today, you're going to find out why, see, as they did in Peter's time. Because now what he's going to explain next is so important. Verse 25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What? <laughs> That's so crazy sounding. But what he's saying is, let me explain something to you. Let me take some of the edge off of what I just said to you. You're going to lose your life, but by the way, you're going to lose it anyway, so why not lose it on purpose, with a purpose, my purpose? And you'll find it in me. You'll have the greatest life there ever has been. But you're only thinking about this world, but it's more than that. In fact, he goes on to say that, verse 26, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? He goes on to explain more and more and more to them. They didn't get it. As I have a feeling, some of us don't. You see, we think the life of Jesus is about making our life better right now, in this moment, and it better make it right now, or I'm going to doubt God. It better make my life better right now, and God better give me the strength to it. And by the way, I don't even know why God left that wall there. He should have just moved it. Didn't he know I was coming? Yep. 
And he left it there? They didn't get it. They didn't get it. Wrong thinking is a wall, but it leads to wrong action, if you can believe that. The way you think will produce what you do. Really, what you believe is what you think, and what you think will produce what you do, and what you do will determine a destiny, and it did for Peter. He didn't understand it. He left there that day only hearing Jesus going, you called me rock, and then you called me Satan. I don't get it, but I love you. I care, I care about you, God, but I don't, I don't get it. He did later. Jesus does the same process again, and he takes, he takes his disciples aside at the Last Supper when he's about to go and down the cross, and he explains through the communion meal. And then at that point, they come out and they go, I don't think we heard you right, Jesus. You said, we, you said that's going to happen. And then he goes on to say, this, this isn't in your notes, you can write down Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31. He says this, and then Jesus told them, this very night, all of you will fall away. When they come to get me, you're all going to scatter. In fact, it's prophesied. He's peering into their future. Picture this now. Jesus isn't just talking in theory. He's not just saying this might happen. He's saying, I have looked into your future, and this is what is going to happen tonight. All of you will fall away. But Peter replies. <laughs> he speaks up right away. He never waits. He just opens his mouth. That's why I love him. I can relate. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I will never. <laughs> Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered him, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter, <laughs> he's making a butt. This is funny. Jesus comes back and says, I tell you, you, I'm looking at you, and I'm giving specifics, meaning I'm prophesying right now as Christ. I'm prophesying right now as God who knows everything. This is going to happen to you. And we take what Peter says to God. Even if all even if all fall away on account of you, I will never. <laughs> but Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other apostles said it with him. So Peter started. He's like, I don't know what they're talking about. I ain't never going to leave you. I'll always be by your side. I will fight to the death for you. By the way, he does. They come that very night. It's the same conversation. They come that very night. They come to seize him. And what does Peter do? He pulls out a knife, and he goes at it. And he hits the guard in the ear. I think probably because he needed bifocals. <laughs> you guys understand. You feel that. It's like you're shooting. Now, do I want to see the target or the sight picture? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> That's Peter. So he's it's late at night, and whoom, and he whacks the guy in the ear and cuts his ear off. This is violent. He's going down. He's ready to he's ready to rumble, and he knows they outnumber him, so he knows he's probably going to die in the fight. But he's ready to go. He's a man's man, man. He did exactly what he said. And then Jesus stops him. You know the picture? You don't read it. Matthew 26. And Jesus grabs the ear, and he puts it back on. And he's like, that's not what I'm here to do. For the first time, Peter understands the paradox. Oh, wait a minute. You mean you're going to be martyred? Oh, no, no, no. I'm willing to fight to the death. I ain't letting the Romans take me and do what they do to me. I'm not doing that. And he ran. And it hurt. And he's scared. And fear entered into his life. And he's like, I'm a tough guy, but I ain't doing that. And so he follows Jesus because he's like, that's my master. My life was better following him, but now it's turned bad. And I love him, but I can't do that because I'm afraid. Anybody shrink back? Any men shrink back? Because I can tell you, when you shrink, when you shrink back from a fight, you ain't never quite the same, are you? 
you lose in a battle. You not just lose a battle, not die in a battle, but shrink back from the fight. People in combat understand. You shrink back in combat, you're never quite the same after that because you, you thought you were going to be somebody, now you're not. You're, you're the coward. And he's looking from the outside, and he's... Mm. People asking him, you know him. I know you know him. And he denies him. I know you know him. They deny him. He denies him. See the picture. Finally, a middle school girl. <laughs> this is how bad fear can be. Ask him again. I know you know him. And he curses. What else is he doing cursing? He's a follower of Jesus. For three and a half years, he's been the number one follower of Jesus. He is the rock on which the church will be built, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And he's cursing. You know what happens when you hit a wall? Can I tell you? You will say things you never thought you'd say again. You'll be like, the, 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 the words come out again, and you're like, ooh, where would that happen, you know? Some of you guys are like, man, you got a microphone in my house. <laughs> You've been talking to my wife, and you're my husband, or whatever. <laughs> you didn't know we knew that about you, did you? We all do, right? I mean, when you hit a wall, there's words that come out that you go, man, I had to use that language and get it. I haven't been back to that, and he runs away, and a piece of him dies inside that night goes back to an old life. He wants to come back, but it ain't right. And he comes to meet Jesus, and Jesus dies on the cross. By the way, he won't there. John was there. Peter won't there. Peter wasn't there. He said, I'll never leave you. He wasn't there. But he knew it happened. And then when he heard that Jesus rose from the dead, remember when the, when the ladies come from the tomb, and they come to see them, and, and they come from the tomb, and then they say, Jesus, there's no body in that grave. And Peter, guess who the first one is to run? Read it, Peter. Peter runs out. Why? Because he's the closest. He, he's not just one of the 12. He's one of the three. And he's the closest person to Jesus. You get it? And he runs. Remember it says that John outruns him. It's John just cooler. No, but John outruns him, right? And a lot of people say that's because, you know, Peter's old, and that's why he outruns him. No, you know what it is? Can I tell you what it is? I think on that journey, Peter slowed down. Well, he's old, but let me tell you something. He would have got there first. He, nothing would have kept Peter from getting there first until he went, there's something between me and Jesus. There's something between me and Jesus. Verse 61 says this. That night, here's what happened to him. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. This is when he was betrayed. This is, this is what goes through his mind. And then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows, today you will disown me three times. Went outside and he wept bitterly and he won't ever be seen. He was there at the resurrection. He was there in the, in the upper room when they all came and they all gathered and Jesus appeared before them and he always kept a distance. You get it? And he went back. You know what he went back to? His old life. That's what happens when you hit a wall. Here's what happens when you hit a wall. The third part of God's process is this, the fall. I like that picture. For those of you who don't know, that's Rocky. Remember this scene? Most of y'all do. Rocky III, he, he got knocked out by Mr. T. <laughs> Bad moment like Rocky. Can't believe it happened, right? I mean, uh, he had the title. He was the champion of the world, and he got knocked out and didn't know it was coming. That's what it feels like, the wall. Boom. And then you fall. And then you can't hardly believe it's one. I mean, I didn't, you're out. Some of you guys are right there. You're on the mat. You're going, the game's over. I'm on the mat. 
I didn't think I would lose the title. I'm a Christian. I was supposed to be victorious. I didn't realize that the God's process was the call, the wall, and the fall. I ain't never heard that. Now you have. Now you have. In everybody's life, it's what God does. When you fall, now he's ready. Peter goes back. You know, he goes back to fishing. That's what he wants. I can't do this thing Jesus wants anymore because I'm not close to Jesus anymore. There's a distance between me and God. And this wall has knocked me out, and maybe there's other people that can knock this wall down, but I cannot. So I'm out. Out, and you don't know what to do with that. He goes away in disarray. He goes out, and he's back fishing. One day, as they come back in from fishing, Jesus is on the shore. The disciples went back with him, by the way. He's a leader. He led them. See, leaders don't stop being leaders. They just lead people in the room. They don't know where they're going. They're still following. You just don't know where you're going. And so they're out there fishing. What are you doing fishing? Jesus said, I made you fishers of men. He said that way back when he first called you. I'm going to help you be a different kind of fisherman. You're no longer a fisherman. You're my follower. They ain't now, right? They're not following. They're out fishing. They're back. They're nothing wrong with fishing, but they're back fishing. Jesus is on the beach. Peter sees him. You can see how compulsive. Peter is a people person. He can feel it, and he sees Jesus, and his heart about leaps, and he jumps in the water and tries That's so stupid. <laughs> what is he doing, jumping in the water? He could have just waited for the boat. No, he doesn't. He jumps out and swims to the shore, and but the boat deep. Why? Because as he gets there, he realizes. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you're at a distance with God. You, you want to get close, but then you just really can't. There's a fall. You don't know what to do with that. I fell. I'm out. I don't know what to do. And Peter didn't know what to do. So let me tell you what Jesus does for Peter because it's what he wants to do. John chapter 21 and verse 15 says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You want to underline that? Do you love me? Oh, no, not just do you love me. Peter, do you love me more than these? Everybody get what that meant? You know. You said, remember, you said you love me more than all these other guys, right? You said even if everyone denies you, you wouldn't, right? I think it was a step further. You said even if I have to die, right? Then what you said, you'd never leave my side. You know, I was on the cross looking out, and you weren't there. Let me ask you a question, Peter. Love me? Is that what you're saying? See, it's the, it's the scariest. God puts his finger. When you look at how God works in everybody's life and in the Bible, you know what he does? He looks at your heart, and he puts his finger right on it. And he goes, this is, your, this is the scariest question in the world for you, Peter. This is, what you've been, this is what you've been dreading your whole life. Please do not hear what God is not saying here. You see, too many people think it's what God is saying what I would have said, because, you know, quick wit, you're going, <laughs> I'm ready to get even now. Please. It's got a little edge. It's got a little dig. That's not what Jesus is doing. You know what Jesus is doing? He's putting his finger right on what hurts the most. And he's saying, is this what you're scared of, Peter? you scared that you don't love me? Talking to you people. Don't look at Jesus. I, that's, what my, that's my thought on it. It doesn't say anything about posture, but I believe it is. Look, I know these conversations. This is what I would do. I'm not looking. Yes, Lord, I love you. Looking away, please don't ask those things. And then Jesus says something else, and I don't think Peter heard it. 
feed my plant. You didn't just love me. You know what he heard? You don't love me. See how our communication is? So Peter, second, Jesus, the second time, he comes to him, and again Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, I, 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 you know I love you. Jesus said what? He said, care of my lambs. He's still not looking at him. He's still not hearing him. So you think the three times is just because he denied him three times, although it is, but there's another significance. Peter's still not looking at him. Peter's still not hearing him. He could have done it once. Peter couldn't hear it. That's what he's doing for you today. That's why he says it three times. That's why I put it in your outline today. I want you to look at that because he's talking to you. Do you love me? The third time, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter got it. That's three times. Peter was hurt because the Lord had to ask him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, I think he looks at him now. You know, that's the hardest thing in the world, look God in the eye, when you made it mess up. When, when, you, when you've messed up and you're looking somebody in the eye because it's your fault, that's hard, isn't it? That's hard. Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Maybe that's what he looks like. You know I love you. What do you want me to do? I can't take it back. And for the first time, Peter understands what Jesus is saying because he's going, you're torturing me. No, no. I didn't even hear what I had to say, Peter. I had to say it three times for it to break the truth. I forgive you, and I want you to be the rock. I want you to be in charge of the whole thing. I want to, and when I leave, I'm going to put you in charge. I had a call, I had a wall, I had a fall. You don't use me now. You can't use me now. You got the same. You can't use me. But Jesus is saying, I will put you in charge. Verse 18, verily, truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go, nor that is to the cross. Jesus is not simply speaking. He's prophesying over Peter. He's peering into Peter's future, and he's saying the death you will die is the cross. He did, by the way. Verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. Please, please don't miss this. A lot of people take that as being very negative. You know what this is? If you go back to Matthew 16, he explained it that night and Peter never heard it, but he hears it now. He's saying, let me tell you, remember what I said about being my follower? You deny yourself, you take up your cross. You didn't know he meant literally, did you? And follow me. And, Pete, and Jesus is reiterating right here, he's saying, remember what I said? That you give up your life here and you will gain it for eternity. You give up this little purpose here because this life is going to go away whether you plan it or not. But you give it up for eternal glory and you will bring glory to God. Now, hear what I'm saying to you, Peter. Follow me. Did I bring it full circle? Follow me. Follow me. I thought I did. Yeah, you did. Now you're ready. You've been through my process. Somebody here today needed to hear that. You've been knocked out at you thought it was over. And you know what God's saying? It ain't over. That's the beginning of you understanding what the wall is all about. You thought you're out. You're not. You're, you're right where God wanted you. <laughs> he called you. 
Peter hit a wall. You fell. And now you got a choice. You know what you got a choice? Same thing, Peter. It took Peter a while. It took Moses 40 years. But when you fall, you got a choice. You can fall on your face. You can fall on your knee. Sometimes, for me, it's like this. You, you fall on your face, and you get up on your knee. You fall on your face, you know what I mean? I'm mad. I can't believe this happened. I'm knocked out. I'm like Rocky laying down going, what just happened to me? But when you fall on your knees, you see the wall coming, and you go, I don't know how to get past it, and I'm not stupid enough to think I can destroy that wall. This is what the process is for. See, you didn't know that. See, you didn't understand that the process is so you'll understand you can't do it. Too many Christians saying too many things that they're going to accomplish in their victory and their stuff, that is heresy. It's not from God. You're going to claim it. You're going to name it. You're going to grab it and grab it, and you think you know what God wants for your life, and he's going, you're going to run into it like a ton of bricks, and you're going to fall down and go, where is God in this? And he's going to go, finally, you're down on your knees. Learn humbly. And when you learn humbly, what does it say? Then he will lift you up. Is that right? When you humble yourself before God, he will lift you up. When you hit God with pride, he goes, go ahead and smash yourself against that wall. It's going to happen. Oh, we all got pride, right? Oh, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. I said that. I said that. I also said something else stupid. You know what I mean? Who do you think you are? You're nobody without Jesus. But when you have Jesus, then this can happen. Pictures like this can happen. The wall can come down. He can burst a hole through any walls in your life. This is where the walls fall. This is the reason for the process. And if you look at every character in the Bible, trust me when I tell you this, this is the process. Anyone that God has truly used, this is the process. They had a call, they hit a wall, they fell, and then they had a choice to fall on their knees or fall on their face. Or maybe fall on their face and get up on their knees. That's most of the time. When Moses came to the Red Sea, after 40 years of being on the backside of a desert, you know who the only person was that fell on their knees before God and prayed for their deliverance? Everyone else. You know what they were doing? Trying to come up with a plan. We'll go back to Egypt. Irrational plans. That's what people do when they're frantic, by the way. Irrational. That's what we'll do. Or better yet, here's what we'll do. We'll fight the Egyptians. You'll die, but you could do that. But Moses said, I have no idea what to do. You know what I know when I hit a wall? I don't try to figure it out. You know what I do? I fall on my knees. You think Moses said, you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to part this Red Sea. Try that one time. Can you do it? No. You know who can? Jesus. You know what Jesus can do? He can walk on water. You know what Jesus can do? He can raise the dead. You know what Jesus can do? He can do all things. So when you hit a wall, let me tell you something. Don't take it as a personal offense. Go, hey, I fall on my knees before God because I can't do this. And when you do, Jesus will smash through anything. I think somebody might have needed to hear that. Let me tell you what happened in the life of Peter because it can happen in our lives. Peter, after Jesus did this incredible thing in his life on the beach that day, when Jesus ascended back into heaven and they were all disturbed, Peter gathered them in an upper room and they waited for God. Peter waited for God. Did you hear that? For ten days. Now, Peter doesn't wait. Did you, did you get that? When, when, when it came to, do you know who they say I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. I'll rebuke you. I jump out of boats and try to beat them to shore. I whack off guards' ears. That's Peter. 
Peter had learned from this fall. He had learned, and what he learned was this, is here's what we're going to do. We're going to fall on our knees. Jesus has left us. We're going to fall on our knees. But he said we're supposed to preach. I don't know how to do that without him. And he waited for the power of God. You know why evangelism doesn't work? Because there's no power of God. You know why just getting yelling at people doesn't work? Can I tell you why? Because there's no power of God in a struck right there with you. It's covered in prayer. No strategy that the church can can replace the power of God in it. Too many churches think they can bust this wall down. We can't. Jesus can. Jesus Little church, big Jesus. You get the picture? And so when we embrace it, here's what happens. We fall on our knees. And you know what happens to Peter? That day, the day of Pentecost, he's filled with the power. You read it, Acts chapter 2. He's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The same glory covenant now him. And he steps up and he walks out and he preaches the message to start the church. There's the rock. Get the picture? There's the rock. He comes out and he preaches the message. It was him? You think it was his words? Was it? It was God, the Holy Spirit, speaking through him, and 3,000 people got saved and baptized, and the church left onto the scene with Peter in the front. That's what God, he did it for Peter, and he can do it for you. And today, Peter's name is written on one of the gates as you enter into heaven. You know what that means? The entry point to heaven has his name on it. That's what God can do for your life. If you'll fall on your knees. You can stay on your face. You can be mad at God. You can curse the wall. You can get mad that this is where God puts you. I understand. I've spent the time there myself. Or you can change your perspective. You know what? You're exactly where I want you. Fall on your knees and listen to me. And when you learn to listen to God, it will change your life. When we learn to listen to God, he will change this. When we learn to listen to God, he'll change Windsor, Virginia. When we learn to listen to God, he'll change Virginia. When you listen to God, he will change the United States of America. When we listen to God, he'll change the world. Believe it? Let's stand for prayer. Father, I don't like Humility, I would despise it just about more than anything else. Lord, I don't like walls. I don't like falling. I don't like being knocked out. I don't like shrinking back. Doing all those kicking and screaming. Man. But I do like what they produce. I love the fact that now, God, when we hit a crisis, we could. We could. We don't always do it, but we could. We could come to you with it. We could say that you could make up what we're not capable of. I pray every day. I, I pray for the one that maybe came here today and go, I've never even received Christ before. And they'll realize for the first time that you're calling them. They can't believe it. I know that's a great day. I pray for the one that just hit the wall and they're going, I don't know what to do with this. I pray as they're following God, they'll fall on their knees and not just on their face. And I pray for the one that's been knocked out for a very long time. The one that's going, they just didn't understand God, and they're going, if this is what it's like, or I've messed up so bad, or somebody else messed it up so bad, or, or life hurts so bad, I don't know what to do with that. I pray today, God, they'll give it to you for the first time. And they'll say, so you want me to pray about this? You you did this, God. You allowed this, God. Yeah. But I'm going to trust you anyway, but the Jesus Christ. They're going to fall in their lives. 
they're going to see what the power of the Holy Spirit of God can do. Lord, I pray that for this church. What if we were to humble ourselves and pray? What if we really embrace your process for the first time? What would happen here? I don't know, God, but I want to find out. 